great gowns, beautiful gowns. And I'm Chelsea Fairless. And uh, how do we exactly start things off this week? Um, I don't know. You know, no one talks about how difficult it is for people that dumb, do dumb bullshit <laughs> to try to transition into their dumb bullshit when really dark and depraved things happen in the world. Wait, something dark and depraved happened this week? <laughs> I haven't heard. Wouldn't that be great if you genuinely didn't know? Remember when Jared Leto did not know about the start of the pandemic because he was at some weird cult retreat for his band. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like how I called my mom because, you know, she used to be a school teacher and I thought that she would be upset about the shooting. And then she picked up the phone and like chipper as fuck. And I was like, oh, you haven't heard. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah, it, it feels pretty dark these days. You know, an amount of gun violence that has shocked us numb. A government that feels like we are servants to and not the other way around. A looming recession, rampant inflation, an impending environmental apocalypse. But hey, Chell, at least we're here together. Yeah. <laughs> and at least Kravis got married this week. <laughs> not, Sorry, is that the most like immoral transition? Not not yet, not yet. I, I tried to work on a transition for us, but... Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but talking about dumb pop culture bullshit for an hour is a bright spot for me in an ever-darkening world. So fuck it, we're going to do just that. All right, now talk about Now intro. The oh, you don't want a whole wedding. episode about us talking about gun violence? <sighs> and guess what, guys? You better believe there's a modern fertility ad coming sometime in the episode. <laughs> Trigger warning. Kravis. Man, we should... <laughs> People asked us to do an episode just on their wedding, and it was like, no, guys, we're going to save it for the main episode. And now I'm really regretting us <laughs> not doing a Kravis episode on Monday. Yeah. Normally, we save Kardashian news for the end of the episode, but this was just too historic. I'm, of course, talking about the brand activation <laughs> that was Kravis's wedding. Yeah, so Dolce & Gabbana put out a statement saying they only hosted the event, they didn't sponsor it, but that's kind of like when an influencer puts hashtag whatever brand name partner and not just like paid partnership. Right. It's like they were gifted a lavish three-day wedding in Italy, but yeah. they didn't necessarily get paid, or do we think they did? So let's see what Dolce & Gabbana did host for them. The villa that they got married in is theirs. The super yacht that they partied on is theirs. The luncheon rehearsal dinner they hosted. They outfitted the bridegroom, their bridal party in custom outfits, as well as the entire family for the weekend. I think they, they dressed just everyone that came to the wedding straight up. I don't think there was one person that didn't get like a full Dolce wardrobe. It's got to be awkward for the one person that didn't get custom Dolce. They all did. They all did. You know what this reminded me of? That imitation of Christ fashion show that was also Lydia Hurst's wedding. Do you remember that? Lydia Hurst when she got married to the comedian Chris Hardwick a couple years ago? I don't know who the fuck she married. All I know <laughs> is that imitation of Christ did this fashion show that was a literal wedding and that's basically what Dolce and Gabbana did too although I don't know if they approached it from the standpoint of like let's create this really conceptual fashion happening but they ended up in the same place so 
almost the first day that images started coming in, I clocked to you that Ellen von Unworth is in the background of a lot of these photographs. And we were positing, like, is she their wedding photographer? But now I have a question tied to this imitation of Christ thing. Do you think Ellen von Unworth was their wedding photographer or were they shooting a Dolce & Gabbana campaign simultaneously? I wonder. I kind of think that a camp- the campaign might be a bridge too far for the Kardashians. I think they were probably just like, we'll do the wedding, like, we'll wear the looks. We'll show this on the Kardashians seven months from now. Yeah, but the choice of Ellen Von Unworth is very logical. I mean, A, because she takes really horny photos, <laughs> and B, because she's really 90s. And, like, every aspect of this wedding was very 90s. Like, Courtney's look was very 90s. It looks like something that Stephanie Seymour would have worn. We need to go back to Guns N' Roses' November Rain video. I think that might be her <laughs> wedding dress in that video. Yeah, and all of the outfits that Kim and Kendall and Kylie wore were all just, like, recreations of archive pieces from the 90s so Ellen Von Unworth like this all gels together quite logically you know it worked I went to the Dolce & Gabbana site and I was like oh no I, I don't want anything from here but as we've talked about with other designers if they did an archival collection and I could get that floral 1997 spring summer look that was on Kendall or maybe it was fall winter that like floral skirt suit, I would buy it. I'm sorry, everyone, but I would. I feel like brands will start doing that soon. I feel like I'm always harping on like a broken record about how people should just be reissuing archive pieces, but no one listens. But maybe Dolce & Gabbana will. So the wedding wedding has already earned the company a whopping 25.4 million in media impact value, according to a brand performance firm, launch metrics, more than half of the total 47 million generated by the the event thus far. So what is media impact value? It's how we assign a monetary value to brand performance. It calculates the value of every post, every interaction, every article. Sure. I mean, that's a little bit of pulling a figure out of one's ass, but... Yeah, but it's really major from a marketing standpoint. It makes you understand why they didn't do the Met this year. It's like, why bother? This is so much more major. It captivated (laughs) everyone's attention. And it makes total sense because while this was the marriage of Courtney and Travis, it was also the marriage of Dolce & Gabbana and the Kardashians. And there's like so much overlap between these brands. Like they're both like very ostentatious like wearing your money on your sleeve they're both like constantly getting canceled but like they don't give a shit at all and like everyone hates them for it and they're all about family like if you've ever seen like a Dolce & Gabbana ad campaign it's like a full Dolce family and they're obsessed with that too you know they're obsessed with like aestheticizing like the family and like going out with your kids and like everyone's wearing matching Balenciaga outfits like that's their whole thing yeah the I guess the other family-based franchise that needs to be integrated would be the Fast and Furious series (laughs) because that's also (laughs) all about family maybe they'll sponsor the premiere for Fast and the Furious 29 I hope so. I will say that, like, as an Italian-American, like, the appropriation of a Roman Catholic aesthetic made me feel very odd. 
And I was like, is anyone Catholic? So I looked this up. He did grow up Catholic, although Roman Catholicism is different than just being a regular Catholic, like Italian Catholic, different than Irish Catholic. Don't ask me how. It just is. But they're Christian. Right. They're like covered in the blood of Jesus or whatever. (laughs) It's such a specific Italian aesthetic. I mean, I love a long dramatic veil, but... That Virgin Mary, I was like, oof. Oh, really? I totally fucked with it. I liked Courtney's wedding look. I questioned the shoe choice. You know, I always think that short dresses call for strappy sandals, but that's just me. That's just where I'm at. But I think that she looked good, and I think that the fam looked good in general. I think Kim's look at the wedding was maybe the most crazy because she kind of looked like the headmistress of some sort of like sadistic, haunted, like Victorian boarding school or something. I mean, look, Sicilian Widow is a great aesthetic for Kim. I know that seemingly this is going to be a season long storyline for her and the Kardashians is, oh my God, what is my new style? I think it's Sicilian (laughs) Widow. Well, she wore a lot of different looks like they were very varied they weren't all Sicilian widow and yeah you can tell that there was no Kanye in the equation you know (laughs) do you mean that in a good way or a bad way it felt like a little bit of a downgrade to me right it felt like this could have been her before Kanye I see what you're saying it's Kim was giving um Donatella after Johnny's funeral vibes yeah I just I don't know actually I kind of fuck with it why am I even talking shit yeah It's just maybe not as like refined as what we're used to. Which is fine. I mean, you're not going to get refinement when you mix the Kardashians and Dolce & Gabbana together. And that's not a dig. It's just, it's who they are. Yeah. You know, they will not go away despite everyone wanting them to. You know, they're thriving. Everyone's thriving. Because they're a privately owned family company on both ends. You can only cancel people beholden to corporate entities, as I love to say. One thing that I thought was really fun is the fact that where they actually got married was outdoors, but it was like had this like red carpeted and these like gilded thrones. It looked exactly like a Dolce and Gabbana store if you've ever been in one. <laughs> they all look the same. They all have these thrones and these carpets. It also felt like definitely the wedding scene in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet was shown as a reference. Like, I'm so shocked that there weren't neon flower crucifixes lining the aisle. Well, I feel like that would have been what it would have been like if Petra Collins had, like, creative directed this wedding. Ooh, now I want that. The new uh, Ellen Von Unworth. (laughs) It's going to be interesting with the show... In the age of TikTok and now the younger family members being on social media the way that they are that it feels like I've already watched the Kardashians episode of their wedding thanks to like Alabama Barker and Kylie Jenner. Right. I do think we need to talk about who wasn't there though because Uh. there was a lot of noteworthy (laughs) absences. Yes. Uh, Caitlin. Being a pretty obvious one, although maybe the least surprising person that wasn't there. Hey guys, why don't I get to come to Portofino? <laughs> Dolce or Gabbana? Which one do you said synthetic babies? Because I don't believe in that either. <laughs> you know, Caitlin would be like, you know, guys, you have some things to say. I don't believe in gay marriage either. <laughs> I think they didn't believe, they believe in gay marriage, but just not like gay people having kids or something. Whatever. Yeah, they don't believe in IVF, the thing that Courtney is doing right now. 
they also yeah, I have to oh. say like Caitlyn not being there like Caitlyn really does add something like visually like this would have looked Ooh. more major if Caitlyn was there Caitlyn in archival Dolce all right I'm, I'm with you I'm with you <laughs> yeah in portrait shot by Ellen Von Unworth <laughs> who else Corey Gamble not there that was odd be- Rob uh, not there you know Rob's got social anxiety okay yeah that makes sense. Corey, I think, is the most shocking. But yeah. apparently they've broken up. Allegedly. No. Rumors. That's the rumor. Oh, Chris. Well, you and Chloe can be single gals together in your side-by-side homes. <laughs> Stop. And then Pete wasn't there because it was his last day, last evening on SNL. So that made sense. Yeah. Even for him, that's a, a lot of air travel. Yeah. And then Kanye, no surprise. Kanye was at the Balenciaga show, which happened the same day. A great day for fashion, I must say. And we'll definitely (laughs) talk about that later. On a related note, someone else fabulous got married recently. Miss Chloe Sevigny. I mean, let's be honest. This is the celebrity wedding we care more about. You may say it's the more niche wedding. Chloe Sevigny's wedding has captivated my attention in a way that really nothing else has. Like, do you ever have this experience, Lauren, where like someone you're interested in has a wedding and like you go through and like reconstruct it like it's fucking, what's that movie? Rashomon? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like from everyone's different like Instagram posts and you like literally feel like you're there. I certainly went through the photos that were on Vogue and I think Harper's Bazaar just to see like who was in the wedding party, like what New York it girls I've missed. Yeah, there was some celebs. We got Jim Jarmusch, Kim Gordon, Natasha Leone, obviously. Seemed to be one of her bridesmaids. Yeah. Jean Triplehorn, which I thought was an interesting. Uh, yeah, I was like, how are they besties? But big love. Right, of course. Jennifer Goodwin, they're like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Our fave Tara Subkoff was there. She was like, look, I staged a fashion show at a wedding a few years ago. Chloe, if I knew you were going to get married in a few years, I would have saved that. (laughs) She wore some really fabulous clothes. So her main wedding outfit, like the one for the ceremony, was Glenn Martin's for Jean-Paul Gaultier Couture, which was incredible, stunning, beautiful. Then she changed into some like Lueve custom, also very cute, I thought. But I think the most noteworthy outfit was the after party outfit, which was the Mugler slutty ice skater jumpsuit, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, but like a bridal version with bare ass and lace and flares. Which made me think, are we on the precipice of flares coming back? Because between this and that, recent-ish Elias show with the, like, extreme flares. Yeah. I feel like it may be imminent. Well, I refuse to wear a skinny jean ever again, so I'm I'm not mad at it. The other flex move is that she she got married in her hometown in Connecticut, but for the after party, she chartered a bus to go back to Manhattan to go to her brother's club, Paul Casablanca. Well, that's just like considerate because I'm sure most people live in New York anyway. Yeah, I would hope that there was a bus that chartered them from New York to Connecticut and then chartered them back down, but who knows? Every aspect of this wedding was fascinating to me. The cups filled with cigarettes felt very Olsen-esque, like obviously that's a nice touch. 
For those who don't know, when Mary-Kate Olsen got married, there were silver cups filled with cigarettes for people to smoke at the wedding. Yeah, very nice. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's something that captures my imagination always when a quote-unquote subversive person engages in very traditional customs like a wedding. Well, Chloe Seventy is her her style and her taste is really varied, but she's always fucked with like a sort of trad preppy vibe, you know, like you'd see her around New York, like carrying like a monogrammed like LL Bean tote bag. Like she wears like a little like gingham like pair of shorts. Like that's her vibe. This wedding is honestly my headcanon for Carrie Bradshaw. I really do believe that. Carrie Bradshaw in the world that was set up would have never ended up with Big and would have eventually married a younger man in her mid-40s and had three amazing different bridal looks. Yeah. I would have loved that for her. And then Bernadette Peters walks her down the aisle and we discover (laughs) that that is her mother. And oddly, it's actual Bernadette Peters. Not playing a character. Oh, it's like we didn't ever address the fact that my mom is Tony and Oscar winner Bernadette Peters. Wait, Oscar nominee? The other thing that I liked about Chloe's wedding is she brought a little bit of the San Vicente bungalows by creating stickers that she gave everyone to put over their phones. Oh, yeah. That is a power move. Which she does get at the heart of at weddings and concerts as well. It's who are you showing this photo to? We have professional photographers. Yeah. Really? Are you going to show a friend? I mean, maybe because it's Chloe Sevigny's wedding, I'd be like, look, look where it was. But, you know, you see that at weddings now. It's like, what are you going to do with that photo of the bride from behind 50 feet away down the aisle? I know. It's true. It's like the photographer from Vogue Weddings is already here. What's her face? Who we love? Who we went to school with? Brianna Capozzi? Yes. yes, Brianna Capozzi is taking like beautiful <laughs> portraits of them. It's like, we don't need your shitty iPhone photos. Congrats. Congrats, Chloe. And that guy you married. Whose name we really <laughs> cannot pronounce, but. <laughs> so we're not even going to try. Hey, Tat. Hi. So Tat is trying to quit vaping. And this is her first day off the vape. And she's been a real delight. Do you want to come over here and speak your truth? How's it going? It's fucking awful. I don't know why I ever decided to do this. I blame you. What, for like forcing you to quit? Yeah, for throwing it out this morning when I woke up. Well, to be fair, you did hand it to me and be like, please take this away from me. So I threw it in the garbage. Yeah, you don't want to be like Doja Cat and having like popcorn lung or whatever. Yeah, I didn't show you that because I knew you would force me to quit if you saw it. Did you see it? (laughs) No. What do you mean? Doja Cat has popcorn lung? She posted this photo of her throat and it looks like a pussy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You're clearly not well. I'm not. I'm not. Well, we're sending you prayers, Tat. We'll, we're rooting for you. And hopefully when we record next week, we can give everyone an update. A weekly, a, a week update. Yeah, that you've been off for seven whole days. I did download a quit vaping app, which shows you how much money you save, how much nicotine you haven't consumed. So you've already saved like $500, like <laughs> literally from Pink Dot. How much, how much your throat doesn't look like a pussy. Bye. 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 Okay, so we have some beauty news this week. A24 has branched into beauty, of course. 
I know <laughs> with their euphoria based makeup line. I just this makeup It's called Half Magic, by the way. I know. The name is a reference to uh Donnie Davy, the makeup artist for Euphoria's style of emotional emotional glam makeup, both ethereal and authentically showcasing your true feelings. However, it makes me feel like the personification of that Steve Buscemi uh how do you do fellow kids meme from 30 Rock? <laughs> Like, I can't wear any of this. I mean, you could. I want to know, like, I can barely use eyeliner, so I want to know what beauty experts think about this. Like, are these formulas good? Because the promo images and, like, the videos for this, like, look amazing, but this is, like, full editorial makeup. Like, you would have to have, like, a certain skill level to achieve these looks I would think and like on the website they sell little bundles so if you want to recreate this certain makeup look like it you buy all the things to do it but I feel like if I bought it it would be like the makeup equivalent of that show nailed it do you know what I'm talking <laughs> <Yes>. about <laughs> with, like <laughs> with people who are amateur bakers who it's what we all wonder when we watch these insane baking shows of like what if me an idiot that doesn't know how to bake <laughs> attempted like, to do something elaborate yeah can someone from A24, please send us some kits. I will <laughs> I will do my own version of Nailed It. I'll see how good I do. I mean, this face lace spiked decal set is not for us. Or is it? A24. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say that this, we talk a lot about the merchification of certain things. And I've always talked about how I never understand why, especially a show like a euphoria doesn't do its own clothing line like things that you would see on a character is something that you could buy as an audience member and so for a24 to start their own makeup line is like the first attempt at the next level of kind of merchifying media yeah in a, it's, in an it's pretty cool way. and no yeah. one's better at doing merch than them no. straight up so i think it's exciting I don't know if I'm personally going to wear any of it, but it seems like a logical choice. And who knows? Maybe what's been missing from my life is casually putting face gems across above my eyebrows when I run errands. In other beauty news, the most necessary rebrand <laughs> is upon us, which is Lady Gaga's House Labs. So <laughs> this is Lady Gaga's makeup line that launched i don't know a couple years ago it launched in 2019 lady gaga's makeup launch i think came the same year as selena gomez's rare beauty and it really felt like that mtv awards where it's like beyonce did the her performance and then britney spears had to perform right after her and it was like the cruelest thing ever yes because the thing about house labs is that the packaging has always looked fucked like you look at this packaging and you think like this lip gloss will give me cancer like did you ever watch rupaul's drag race no like the really early seasons were always sponsored by these like demented makeup companies and like this is giving that like it's actually scary what this stuff looks like well it's funny you say that because part of their rebrand is one not being exclusively on amazon anymore which is like amazon trying to be a hub for fashion or beauty it's like stop trying to make fetch happen it's just it's not gonna work amazon unless we're sponsored by amazon to do <laughs> promo 
love for me. I think it could work, but they literally have to buy like Glossier, Pat McGrath, and like NARS or something, and then be the exclusive retailer. Right. I so think they, for that to really like. So they have to be the exclusive retailer for already established popular brands. Got it. Yeah, but it is kind of crazy because Lady Gaga is someone that I think of as being like such a perfectionist. So the fact that her makeup looks like this and not like Pat McGrath is just like shocking to me. But we haven't seen what the new products look like. We just know that this relaunch is imminent. And it's now going to exclusively be in Sephora, which so many makeup brands are these days between, you know, Rihanna's Fenty Beauty to Selena Gomez's Rare Beauty to Makeup by Mario. They're all exclusively at Sephora. And it's funny that you talk about how radioactive the previous products felt because their whole rebrand is like, we're now a vegan, clean beauty line. They probably did market research and like 100% of the people (laughs) that participated in these surveys clicked the box that was like, this gives me cancer. It's an interesting market to wade into in the beauty space because it does feel oversaturated with like Say Beauty and Tower 28 and just like everyone's a vegan beauty line now. But I guess it's like, do you want green eyeshadow and for it to be a vegan clean beauty line? Then House Labs is for you. Yeah, the look like from the promo image that they showed does remind me of Halsey's beauty company. Right. Like it's like that kind of vibe. It's like brightly pigmented like matte eye paint basically. Speaking of paint for your eyes... I don't know. Emily uh, Weiss has stepped down as CEO for Glossier. Are you okay, Chelsea? I'm fine. I'm happy for her. Does that mean we're not going to get our PR packages? <laughs> Look, she's not stepping away from the brand. She's just made the logical choice to be on the board and oversee like packaging and marketing and like the fun creative stuff and not be solely responsible for running like this huge company. Yeah, it turns out the biggest lesson of the girl boss era is it's kind of a lot of work and unfun to be a boss. (laughs) So don't if you don't have to be. I was looking at the comments section of various Instagram posts about this from the business of fashion to Estee Laundry, which is like the beauty version of Diet Prada. And I'm sure everyone was chill and very supportive. And there was this really gleeful sentiment that really grossed me out. Like, people view this as a failure. Right. They're happy that she failed, even though she's the central creative force behind this brand that a lot of people really like. Yeah, it's not akin to Leandra folding man repeller. It's a woman. I mean, in her... Don't drag Emily Weiss down like this. No, I'm doing quite the opposite. I mean, I feel like those people that are happy at her demise didn't really read the blog post that she wrote which is this is a hundred year company like we are on our journey we're in the seventh year of this you know decades-long journey and it needs someone else so the new ceo kyle Leahy, is someone that has served as the chief commercial officer but is someone that has worked at nike and other places and knows how to take it to the next level like these are the growing pain years right you know you think it about travis kalanick at uber or jack dorsey and you think about if they had just stepped aside and had someone else shepherd the company 
a lot of those guys, like, obviously, like, they've been kind of, like, shit on and criticized by the public at large. But I feel like it's not in the same way that people like Emily Weiss or, like, these other female founders that have, like, either been ousted as CEO or resigned for some reason. Like, it's a very specific sort of energy. And and what's the difference between those <laughs> male <laughs> startup founders and Emily Weiss and other women? I think the curse is being on the cover of Domino magazine. <laughs> like when I was unpacking my magazines, I was like flipping through some like recent-ish dominoes from the last like few years. And I was like, oh, literally all of these people have like had some sort of scandal in the last few years. It's yeah. crazy. But I also feel like there's this really weird sediment where people like like the product but they resent the person that created it they're like oh i like glossier products but like emily weiss rubs me the wrong way or like i love outdoor voices leggings but ty haney spent too much money on topo chico and she's a dumb bitch (laughs) so fuck her you know it's like these are the people that made the things you're obsessed with I think the other thing that Glossier as a company is dealing with is just they were the blueprint for this kind of millennial influencer CEO, VC-backed, user-generated, direct-to-consumer, two-brick-and-mortar makeup brand. And in the intervening years, there have been so many other brands like Selena Gomez's Rare Beauty, Tower 28, Merit, that were able to take the best of Glossier and improve on it where they fucked up. And I don't... I don't think they necessarily fucked up. I think they just, like, grew really fast. And, like, once you take venture capital, it's like you just have to get more venture capital, and then you have to make sure that, like, all of your investors, like, get a return on their investment. And it's just, like, a very different thing. But also, I'm someone who went from, like, NARS Orgasm Blush to Glossier Cloud Paint to now I just use Rare Beauty. See, I love Glossier Cloud Paint because you can buy it once and use it for the rest of your life. Maybe that's why they're having problems. Because like the amount of time that you can have a single tube of that shit is terrifying. Yeah, at least Apple has um, built-in obsolescence with their products. (laughs) I guess all makeup brands have is allegedly this is going to expire and kill you. And it's like, you know what? Everything's trying to kill me. I'm going to (laughs) keep using this blush. (laughs) anyway according to this document you want me to talk about the makeup brand that made a tiktok refuting amber heard's claims in court well tell me more about this so this is going a couple weeks back but when amber heard was on the stand or no i don't think even when she was on the stand i think her own lawyer held up this milani which is like a drugstore brand Uh, color correction kit and said that this is what Amber Heard used to cover her bruises and then that brand made a TikTok that showed their actual product document that said that they didn't even have this on the market until 2017. Right. I heard about this because some fuck at DM'd us about it and was like this all feels very legally blonde (laughs) like with the perm shower situation yeah and obviously this got back to amber because when she was on the stand and they referenced her covering up bruises she was like well it wasn't that exact one but well it is kind of fucked up for this brand to like make a tiktok about this um all right is now the time for me to give a update on uh the amber heard johnny Depp case sure well i did see kate moss testify which was pretty major 
Yes, all two minutes and 30 seconds of it. Yeah. Well, this sick and depraved public spectacle is coming to its inevitable anticlimactic conclusion. It is going to the jury on Friday, which could take anywhere from days to weeks to get a verdict. Um, And I still feel no differently. He will lose his case and she will lose her counterclaim. They have done so much damage to each other in this court case of just like neither of them are going to work again just for the fact that like studios don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah, of course. Because now for the rest of time, when their names are mentioned in the press, it's going to be tied to this court case. Yeah, because I just kind of think of like Johnny Depp as being a bit of like a bloated alcoholic, like dumbass. And then I think of Amber Heard as being like, not a good enough actress to even seem normal on the stand. So maybe I'm just a bitch, but that's my yeah takeaway. Look, do I believe that Johnny Depp is using his power and considerable finances to publicly humiliate Amber Heard? Yes. Do I think that she is not making it easier on herself by throwing out rumors that could be could be easily disproven in court, like randomly adding during her testimony that she heard about the rumor of Kate Moss being thrown down the stairs by Johnny Depp. I mean, I'm a decent, like, I know a a bit about Johnny Depp's career, but we are certainly Kate Moss heads. I have never heard a rumor that Johnny Depp threw her down the stairs. I know about the, the fight at the Mark Hotel where he got arrested. Yeah, I've heard about, like, Kate Moss's, like, 30th birthday party that was basically an orgy and like the fact that she had sex with Courtney Love and like those are things I know about Kate Moss but this I've never heard of yeah so the most notable thing that occurred this week that Chelsea alluded to is that Kate Moss appeared via zoom link for a scant three minutes to clarify that Johnny Depp didn't throw her down a flight of stairs I saw some tweet of a screenshot that was like this is giving early aughts Stephen Mizell Vogue Italia <laughs> energy and it really really was oh if Sozani was still editor-in-chief you best <laughs> believe we would get a my a problematic Mizell editorial mimicking the Johnny Depp Amber Heard court case I'll tell you that yeah so Amber Heard while explaining an incident where she did strike Johnny Depp who she believed was going to harm her sister they were having a fight on a staircase Okay, no more staircase shit. (laughs) I just moved into a house in a staircase, and I won't even wear socks going down it between this and the staircase anyway, which we'll get into next week. That she did indeed strike Johnny Depp because she was scared that he was going to inadvertently kill her sister because she had heard about Kate Moss in the staircase. So that then opened the door, which was previously, they were never going to bring Kate Moss as a witness, but because she said this, they did. Maybe she just wanted to see Kate Moss. I mean, understandable. Uh, Is, do you think it's possible for him to win? Potentially, but I think it's just so difficult because I feel like what a lot of people want out of this case is not what the case is about. The case is about, was she untruthful about saying that she was a domestic abuse victim and did she do it maliciously so that he would lose work and did he indeed lose work because of the article and the answer is kind of no do i think that amber wanted the cloud of saying she donated her entire divorce settlement but actually kept the money yes but guess what that's my personal opinion it has no bearing on the judgment of the case And even if I was on the jury, that doesn't matter because the case is a fucking defamation case. But I also. You'd be such a great juror. (laughs) 
But I also don't think Amber is helping herself by arguing with Johnny Depp's lawyer that the word pledge and donate are synonymous words. Because they're not. They're not. Yeah, they're not. Pledge is like, I'm going to donate. Right. Donate is like, I'm donating. Anyway. Fashion. Fashion. (laughs) So up first, Vuitton. Half of these resort collections we're going to talk about took place in Southern California. We were at neither. Well, the Louis Vuitton show was in San Diego. Uh, yes. You mean San Diego. Oh, Is that wait. what it's called? You're not an Anchorman fan. That was an Anchorman reference. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that like once. Uh, it took place at the Brutalist. Yeah, it was like a Brutalist concrete paradise. Yeah, the Salk Institute for Biological Studies. Looks terrifying. They should film the next season of Severance there. (laughs) I've said it before and I've said it again. I don't know who this is for. Other than? Other than Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. I don't know who wants to look like this. Everything always feels like this weird mishmash of like 80s Ungaro and like Blade Runner. And like if this is what fashion looks like in the future, like I want the children of men suicide pill. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Gueschieri is continuing with his very 80s beyond Thunderdome silhouettes with a vaporwave color palette. I also thought the latter half of the collection looked like what athleisure in the world of Dune would look like. Right. I did like the styling of the belts on the bare midriff, that I will say. Because it was giving you Carrie Bradshaw in season four. But you have to have SJP abs to make that work. So it's not really something that... Well, I'm sure we're going to see this on Emily Ratajkowski. For sure. She will also look normal in this. Well, now we're certainly never getting invited to a Vuitton show. I do like that they made like all the European editors fly out to San Diego to see this show. Look, San Diego has its moments. There's like a cute little street with like vintage stores and like natural wine bars and stuff. I was there like a year and a half ago. Gucci had another extravagant show at a crazy location, which was some 13th century castle in Italy. Yeah, I know that I've talked about wanting a horror film set at like some influencer activation in a remote location, but I also want a horror film where a bunch of celebrities are brought to a remote European town for a fashion show and then like weird shit happens. Right, one by one people just go missing. (laughs) Honestly, how is that just not a Gucci show in and of itself? Like I'm waiting for the day because these are becoming so elaborate that they just become like murder mystery dinner theater. That would be cute. Well, yeah, in Gucci, it seems like everyone's dressed as a character anyway for like a non-existent film. Yeah. But I have to say, I did appreciate that the Wes Anderson styling was gone. This was like a different vibe. Yeah, this was more like uh, if Kenneth Anger made Cabaret is what a lot of these looks <laughs> It look reminded like. me of Kenneth Anger too, totally. It reminded like Anita Pallenberg, all of that shit. And I'm sure there was like, ten, I mean, there's. I feel like there's 10,000 random references in every Gucci show. But yeah, it's always so varied. And you have to respect that. There's always like literally 10,000 items of clothing in every single show. It's kind of insane, like the sheer amount of shit that they produce. Right. Well, every Gucci show has four concepts within the Gucci show. Yeah. And this show had like 100 looks and every look is like top, bottom, tights, jewelry, hat, sunglasses, you know, like everything. It's crazy. For cape. Yeah. I did. Weird Harlequin (laughs) outfits. 
I did like, I thought what was new in the um, Alessandro Michele aesthetic is these more minimalist looks, like the striped skirt suits and the split black and white hat. Like, are you telling me that I don't need that half white, half black shirt pant combo? I totally don't even remember that. There's too many like looks in the show for me to digest, you know? I've said what I've said. I think the most major show was Balenciaga for sure. Which was held at the New York Stock Exchange on the trading floor. Yes, on a Sunday. On Kravis Sunday. You know that like this coming Sunday, they're like, babe, we got married a week ago. It's our one week anniversary. (laughs) It's our two week anniversary. It's our three week anniversary. Just slow pan on Chris, like disassociating (laughs) every week. Um, I saw a reading of this collection online, specifically noting that the Gimp mask, it taking place at the New York Stock Exchange and uh, sending out the invites on a stack of fake $100 bills, that what Demna was trying to say is that our biggest fetish is money. But then Demna himself said it wasn't a critique on capitalism and that he felt that his job was to create desire in a desirable product. Yeah, he did create desirable products. Also, it's like the combination of the Gimp mask which every single model wore these full like rubber outfits that obscured their faces and limbs and what have you but it makes sense do you think somewhere in london richard quinn was screaming no it's like they've done they've done it before it's like there's always been overlap with them but and it made sense because stockbrokers are like notoriously perverted (laughs) right like they're yeah. they're the ones that keep like the dungeon district in New York afloat. So it feels very like tied together. A homecoming in a weird way. I look forward and I will happily wear a latex mask with a trench coat and a pussy bow blouse come this fall. Yeah, I think that was the most like distinctive thing about the show apart from the gimp suits, but was these like extreme pussy bows which were very working girl. That's what I'm always going to associate those right. with. It's like very very 80s. And then the end half of the show was the Balenciaga Adidas collaboration, which was pretty fab, but I feel like everyone got really mad about it, like pretty much instantly. Yeah. Do you think because it was so close to the Gucci Adidas collab? No, they were like, oh, they're charging like $2,000 for like a Adidas jacket. It's like, yeah, but the cool thing about Balenciaga is that like if you can't afford Balenciaga you can literally just like buy an Adidas tracksuit that's like three sizes too big for you. Yeah. And like buy some like sunglasses from a gas station and like have the whole look. You are correct. There's no easier way to mimic a Balenciaga look. Totally. You just won't get the Adidas symbol with Balenciaga underneath it. Yeah, but I'm sure you could buy like a fake Balenciaga baseball hat on like Etsy or something. You know, you could make it work. Is this where I step in and be the person who goes, Cristobal would be rolling in his grave if he saw what Balenciaga look like now? He would, but who cares? He's not here right now. That, um, that I is- think Cristobal would have loved Isabelle Huppert at Cannes, though. Ugh. I believe that was also the same day. Our girl... Our girl wore two different Balenciaga looks, but I think the green one was the most major. It's just a perfect look, and you usually don't see it on a petite person. Yeah, it's so cool. She's so cool. I think Cristobal would have really liked the second look, the black one, which was kind of like, it's like, yeah, she could have worn this in like one of her like historical drama films, you know? Right. So last but not least, uh, do our men. In Venice, California, which we were not invited to. So rudely, but 
A friend of ours was. So here is Evan Ross Katz's reporting exclusively for the Every Outfit pod. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Chelsea. It is roving reporter Evan Ross Katz here to give a quick dispatch from the Dior show that was held in Venice. One really cool aspect of this uh, this collection was being able to see it worn in real time on the celebrities in attendance. So they coordinated so all the celebs, male, female, non-binary, were all wearing the collection. So What's funny about this is you actually saw the clothes, many of them, before they actually hit the runway, if you were there in person, which was really cool. And I also just, I like seeing clothing that was tailored for men's bodies on all genders. So that was really, really cool. Um, I also really liked the collaboration with Eli. Now, it really, and Eli's brand, ERL, it really, they're calling it not a collaboration. They're basically saying that, like, Kim Jones handed the keys over to Eli and was like, go forth, do what you want. And one thing I really enjoyed reading about in the show notes was how much Eli took advantage of the resources of Dior, mainly their archive, which, I mean, they are a house that is particularly known for the upkeep of their archive. And you really saw the references that Eli was pulling from while also seeing that signature ERL, which is Eli's label. So I felt like it was a great sort of uh, use of a very up-and-coming designer with a very established heritage brand. And sometimes with these collaborations, you tend to get a 75-25, where it feels either like it's too much leaning into its past or it's too heavy-handed into the collaborator or the guest designer in this instance. And I felt like this really found a fun and refreshing balance. So I was pretty impressed. Loved seeing Taika Waititi, Christina Ricci, Major. Lisa Rinna should be at every fashion show. Christina Aguilera, give me more of her. Enjoy Dan Levy. Really fun party. Um, I would give it a solid B+. Thanks, Evan. We we appreciate that reporting since we were not invited, even though we live a mere 30 minutes away. Venice is far, though. It is far. Yeah, I liked this show. I think we need the California couture sweaters. Just personally? Yeah. I also really liked the look that was like a shirtless male model wearing what looked like a red tartan opera cape. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I hate that. That was interesting to get Evan's perspective that people that were there on the red carpet were wearing stuff that had not debuted on the red carpet then. That does happen from time to time. Like, I feel like back in the 90s, it's like Kate Moss would like rock up to the McQueen show, like wearing something that was like in this show. But I feel like it's not like super commonplace now, unless it's like Kim K at the Balenciaga show level. I also really liked that we got the return of the newsprint. It wasn't the same newsprint that Carrie Bradshaw wore that was designed by John Galliano that they can't exactly reissue because it has John Galliano's face on it. But I like that they worked that back in. It's so long overdue. It's something that people actually want to buy. And I hope that it bleeds into the women's collections. And I hope that they reissue the saddlebag in the newsprint. Let's be honest. When was the last time Dior Women's has been fun? I don't think we're going to get a newsprint back. Are we going to get some like weird football outfit? Yes. Yeah, but sometimes when like the men's collection is really major, it like forces the woman's collection to be a little more major, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, a silhouette that I enjoyed the the Dior collection brought in was just shirtless men wearing like grandpa Mr. Rogers cardigans. Right. Well, that's very ERL, and you could definitely like feel his his vibe throughout this show. 
Do you think we're going to keep getting, like, guest designers? I mean, it's one thing at Gautier, but it's, like, weird that Kim Jones is ostensibly the designer for Dior Men. Well, it does kind of make sense for these big brands to, like, snap up young talent. Like, that's also kind of what, like... ERL is produced by Dover Street Market, right? right? So they've like sort of like snapped him up into the fold already. And that's basically what Dior is doing also. It just more feels like substitute teacher time. Like, yeah, but I feel like it still like looks like Kim Jonesy enough. You know, right. it didn't seem like a radical departure. If you had told me this was just like a Kim Jones show, I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it. Right. Aside from the like psychedelic puffer jacket pieces and stuff that are so like ERL. Anyway, enough about fashion. Kardashian-aholics anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. <laughs> Kim Kardashian is the new chief, chief taste officer for Beyond Meat. I guess it's time for me to throw all my op- impossible meat out. <laughs> Sure, why not? I mean, yeah, it's highly processed, but it's better than actual beef. So yeah, everyone eat Beyond Meat. People were making fun of her because they noticed that in the promo ad, the camera cuts away. The whole ad is that she can't get enough of Beyond Meat, but people were making fun of her because they noticed that every time she's about to take a bite, the camera cuts away. And that's just productive for time, okay? You don't need Mario resetting that lipstick every time she takes a bite. Well, also with commercials like that, it's like she'd have to take like 10,000 bites of Beyond Meat and that would probably kill you, you know? It also, also, like, what if she was slimming down for the Met Gala during the point that she filmed that? Like, well, she's her, not, like, eating... Well, her hair is blonde, so it took place after the Met Gala. But I I kind of got the sense that it... <laughs> you can't just starve yourself and then eat, like, 50 pounds of Beyond Meat. I also got the sense that she was like, you guys get two hours with me. And they were yeah. like, all right. Travis had an Architectural Digest home tour video... The, you mean the home that he moved in 10 years before he got with Courtney because he followed her to Calabasas? Yeah, that house. I actually kind of fucked with it. Like, it's definitely not my style, but there's nothing about it that's trendy, which I respect. Like, I feel like it will probably age better than most Kardashian houses for that reason. Because there's nothing you can really cling to and be like, oh, this is like a fad sofa or whatever. Although his bookshelves are very sparse. Did you notice that? He has open shelves. What is it with Kardashians and their obsession with open shelving? All I can think about is how much dust would collect, but that's just me. Yeah, and like Chloe's house from the new episode of the Kardashians, which we'll get to in a minute. I think the standout thing from Travis's Arch Digest video was his love of matcha. Is it his love of matcha or did Courtney give him his love of matcha? I don't know, but he's off caffeine, so... If you haven't watched the tour, which clocks in at almost 15 minutes, we'll just put the clip of him talking about how his matcha is the best matcha. Any matcha place in LA, Alfred's, Cha Cha Matcha, my matcha is actually the best. It is. Why don't you show the little matcha station? One of my favorite things is like this matcha station over here where I have everything. Cinnamon, I have nutmeg, I have cacao. You know, I can heat up tea really quick. So uh, Chris made a political endorsement this week. It was really tough to see on my Instagram timeline that she has endorsed 
Rick Caruso for mayor of Los Angeles. And for those of you who don't live in Los Angeles, <laughs> you are not getting like a psychotic amount of Rick Caruso ads on every single YouTube video, every single streaming show. It's fucking crazy. Every block you go down in Los Angeles. He's a billionaire. He's running for mayor. He owns the Grove, which is like our Mall. Sistine Chapel. Yeah. He also owns, what's the other mall that he owns? The Americana. The Americana, right. He was a Republican, but became a Democrat, kind of just to run for office is yeah. the word on the street. Last year, he switched from being an independent to fully being a Democrat, which was the first signal that he was going to run for mayor. And he is outspending almost everyone. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. Almost everyone. He is outspending everyone. He has donated to anti-abortion causes, donated to Republicans. It's just, it's not good. If they can't even figure out how to keep the Dominique Anzel bakery open in the Grove, like, how is he going to end homelessness? Like, explain this to me. (laughs) Do you think Chris is just... uh... You know, getting buddy buddy with with Caruso just so that uh, there can be some Kardashian store at the Grove, perhaps. Anyway, so the primary's coming up. Don't vote for Rick Caruso. Vote for whoever the fuck you want. Vote for um, Karen Bass. Yeah, or like the progressive candidate. What's her name? Um, Gina Viola. Vote for one of them. It doesn't matter. It's just a primary. But the thing is. If Rick Caruso gets more than 50% of the vote, there will be no general election. He will just be mayor. So you won't have a chance to vote for anyone else. So vote. Unless he threatens to shut down the Grove or the Americana before the primary date. He's not going to take the Grove away from us, is he, if he loses? No, he likes money too much. But I know it's like... Why? It's like you're already a billionaire. Like, you probably could just end homelessness with your own fortune in Los Angeles if you wanted to. Have you been to the Americana in Glendale? No. Wait, yeah. Yeah, I've been. Okay, so the thing that the Americana has that the Grove doesn't is there are apartments above the stores in the Grove. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm fascinated by that. Does anyone live there? Can we come over? Please let us, we'll meet at the Sprinkles uh, kiosk. <laughs> anyway, that's our, that's our little political minute. Yeah. God damn it, Chris. <laughs> we know you're problematic in so many ways, but why did you have to be problematic in this way? I know. She endorsed Rick Caruso before Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God. Is Caitlin going to run for mayor? I would respect her more if she ran for a lesser political office. City comp controller? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I would feel good about that either. Hi, baby. I'm an open book. (laughs) The last two Kardashian episodes? Great episodes. Two very different episodes, but great in their own ways. The first one was all about Kim's prison reform work, right? About how she was one of many activists that prevented Julius Jones's execution. Did you clock the names that were on the big uh, the big board? <laughs> yeah, because she roped in a lot of her celebrity friends to raise awareness about this guy's case. And uh, yeah, and you could see the celebrities that did or didn't participate. I love when Kim was talking to her law bro, the justice reform guy, that her 
because he was like, wouldn't your father be so proud? And she was like, my father used to say, you'll never want to be a lawyer. It'll give you so many wrinkles. And she said that. And I was like, yeah, but he didn't know Botox existed. And then she said the exact same thing. I was like, ah. (laughs) Also, I don't know if like Robert Kardashian would be psyched that she's like a burgeoning like prison abolitionist. I don't know. I mean, Alan Dershowitz also started the Innocence Project. So we all get our penance somehow. Totally. And then what else happened in that episode? Kendall and Scott made up. Who cares? Oh, Kanye appears. Kanye appeared. He picked up the kids for school in a fire truck. Which I noticed was the Hollywood fire department. And I was like, obviously he went to several, or his assistant went to several fire departments and was like, who will actually do this? And seemingly it was only the West Hollywood or Hollywood department. All I could think of when I saw this is like some interview with Northwest like 20 (laughs) years from now and her just being like, yeah, my dad picked me up in a fire truck and drove me to school. I thought that was normal. I love how Kanye goes, sometimes you can't be the cool dad. You just have to be like a dad. And it's like, no, you're still the cool dad if you bring your kids in a fire truck. Also, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge another horrific tragedy, which was Astro World, which fully happened <laughs> during the filming of the show. And they have just not acknowledged it. It happened on the night that they had Chris's Ellen and birthday. Portia over yeah. for dinner at Chris's uh, house, which we now know. Are you trying to say that Ellen and Portia caused Astro World? Just their cosmic? <laughs> no, but I definitely think there's some Ellen Portia rick caruso (laughs) chris jenner like montecito conspiracy happening it's the yeah montecito is the new bohemian grove that would explain my question so uh, we didn't see this until after we had recorded the last episode we talked about these kardashian episodes but that would explain why there is a non sequitur bit where kendall goes to miami with Haley bieber and nothing really happens because they had to fill space to sort of make up for and make it seem like she wasn't at Astro World, which she was. She definitely was. The other thing we got in this episode was the truly chilling statement from Tristan Thompson when Chloe's like, I guess, you know, Kanye's still here, Scott's still here, I guess you're still here. Like, I guess, you know, we hang on to our men. And he said something to the effect of like, you'll never leave me or something like that. Is it too bitchy if I say that it seems like he has the intellectual capacity of like a potato? No, I think about that when I see Tom Brady speak and it just seems like a cool breeze is going on between those ears. Yeah, have they just like suffered like head injuries or something? I mean, basketball players don't really have that problem. It is interesting when Chloe talks about how great of a guy he is and how much they have in common because Chloe is someone it's doesn't Chloe's even, smart. That's why I'm like, what are how are you having a conversation with this guy? It's not even about intelligence, is that Chloe has a great personality and Tristan clearly doesn't. Yeah. So he has like a void where a personality <laughs> should be. That's why he tries to fill it with women. I mean, it's refreshing in its own way because like Kanye has too much personality. Travis, personality, bit of a cuck, but cool. Which Travis? Barker. Oh, okay. Uh, And then Scott is someone that definitely has imposter syndrome. Right. Yeah, I was praying for Scott on Kravis Balenciaga Sunday. It's okay. He was at a titty bar in New York. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Um, Smoking inside like a real cool person. 
And we then, gotta bring that back. Smoking inside. Cigarettes indoors. Ooh, smells like my childhood. It's like, look, if we're gonna have a recession, you have to give us something. <laughs> Let us smoke indoors again. Remember how the smoking section was just like the same room <laughs> yeah. as the non-smoking section? Like you just like go to like the Mexican restaurant, and there would just be like someone smoking a table over. My dad tells a story about how his friend lived in Aspen, where Hunter S. Thompson lived as well, and he ran into Hunter S. Thompson at an airport, and it was at the time where long-haul flights like flights over four hours you could still smoke but flights under four hours you couldn't smoke right and he alerted him to that fact and then hunter s thompson rerouted his flight to probably los angeles like to go to the east coast to go back to the west coast just so he could smoke the entire time jesus and guess who played hunter s thompson in a movie johnny depp (laughs) bringing it back you know, Hunter S. Thompson is a is a fine fascination for when you're a teenager, but you know, when you're acting like him in your forties and fifties, not a great look. It's That's almost true. Like it's almost as if Johnny forgot how Hunter S. Thompson met his end. Being shot out of a cannon that was <laughs> funded by Johnny Depp, I believe. That's part of the reason why he has no money. <laughs> um Hunter S. Thompson died by his own hand, but yes, he always dreamed about shooting having his ashes shot out of a cannon, which Johnny Depp did, to the tune of $5 million. So just think about that when you're renting Pirates of the Caribbean on iTunes. How do you want your ashes scattered? Would you scatter my ashes from the trolley on the Grove? <laughs> no. You know what? Like in Hacks, another show we'll talk about next week. There's so much good TV, but there was so much to talk about this week. I think that I would just spread a little bit of you. I love how I'm doing this and not your wife. (laughs) A little bit of you around all your favorite places. So like in the fountain in the Grove, like when the Michael Buble (laughs) and water acrobats are happening on the hour, every hour. For sure. Where else? (laughs) Where else? What are your other favorite places? Um, at a natural wine shop. Yeah. Like the baby bell section of (laughs) Whole Foods. God, what are your other favorite places? I've said this to my mom. When my parents go, I want their ashes with me. I think I put like a little bit of your ashes. Still just so sad. You're dying before me. (laughs) Um, Okay, where am I scattering your ashes though? Mr. Chow? (laughs) That's the first place? Okay, Tower Bar. (laughs) Where I would also too scene I feel like Mr. <laughs> Mr. Chow is more classic. Um, no, I would put a little bit of your ashes in a necklace and I would carry it around with me. Cute. How did we get here? You know what? I could go in one of those Elsa Peretti, like the little like vase. Yeah. Necklaces. The yeah. That would be perfect for me. Wow. I'm leaving all of this in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Can we get into the most recent episode? Right. A very fashion-heavy episode. Okay. So Kim has 30,000 pieces of clothing. Yes. In this episode, we saw Kim's personal archive. Not her closet. Her archive where all of her clothes live. It was stunning to see. I can't even imagine how happy I would be running around in there. It seems that her clothing archive is probably somewhere in the like KKW production offices or something because that is not like where we saw Sarah Jessica Parker's Carrie Bradshaw clothing. Like that is a office building. Yeah, that is an office building. They've converted into storage space. For sure. It's like a floor in the severance office (laughs) or something. It was one thing when... 
a couple episodes ago, she was like, I'm so concerned. I don't know what my style is. But it's clear to me now that this is going to be a season-long arc, which is an interesting choice because her style has not changed in the last six months. No, not significantly. I think there's some things that I see her in that I'm like, Kanye wouldn't have let this happen. Like even the outfit that she's wearing in the confessional thank god she changed i'm grateful for that are you talking about the burgundy one that makes it look like she's got a floating head yeah it's like she's wearing like a a burgundy balenciaga jacket with like a peaked shoulder that looks like very like she looks like an evil cartoon or something but then she's wearing some sort of like latex turtleneck underneath it and it's not about that turtleneck kanye would never so i think we are seeing her we are seeing her go back to her roots a little bit it's a little bit of a downgrade, Ooh. but we love her. Yeah, I don't. I was trying to imagine what wholesale look could be next for her. I think it's worked really successfully on like Zoe Kravitz and Kendall of putting those two women exclusively in the row. But I can't imagine Kim in the row. Well, maybe she'll save that for like when her law firm opens and she'll have like a whole like corporate minimalism vibe, you know. So according to her, she negotiated her own Balenciaga contract. Very cool. But yeah, I think she just needs, she doesn't need Kanye, but she needs to replace him with like a creative director and a stylist. She can even like hire like some Kanye protege or something. Yeah, question, what exactly does Tracy Romulus do? Because it seems like she's fulfilling the Steph Shep role of just like wherever Kim needs her, she is. Yet she's not doing anything interesting ever. We're on Team Kanye. Fuck Tracy Romulus. No, she seems great. Yeah, she's fine. Um, she's I just, just like not questions. like she's not like a personality. She's not a reality TV personality. She's not cracking jokes. She's just asking Kim questions. Oh, that's your concern with her. I mean, very seriously, in the world of the Kardashians, what is Tracy Romulus's day look like? Because it just seems like at 2 p.m. I have to get off the Zoom and I have to meet Kim at her clothing archive. Yeah. And quiz her on what she wore to the Emmys 10 years ago. We're not talking about the best part of this episode, though, which is Chris and Kylie going grocery shopping. Okay, this is the one thing I thought we had let go of from the keeping up of the Kardashians are these bizarre planned bits. Although, what I do like about this that the Kardashian the yeah, the Kardashians are getting into this show is the weird breaking the fourth wall of like how privileged and insane their lives have become in the last 10 years. Yeah. Like they're admitting that they have not been to the grocery store in years, which Makes sense for Chris's reasoning, which is we would constantly get stopped, et cetera, et cetera. But it did raise the question when they went to the gas station. It's like, oh, yeah, so you obviously have someone that is going to the gas station for you guys. But you still the fact that they were pretending to not know how to pump gas when Chris didn't become a celebrity until she was in her 40s. Look, we don't know what fame is like, okay? You don't forget how to pump gas, though. No, no, no. Fame is like severance, and you sever the part of what it was like being normal. It would be one thing if, like, gas stations had evolved (laughs) to some sort of new technology, but, like, gas stations are the fucking same as they've always been. You stick in your credit card, you take out the nozzle, you push the button, and then you go on about your day. 
Another thing that pushed the boundaries of like how not normal they are and they either don't realize it or they do realize it and they're like, fuck it, we're just showing you everything, is Chloe, quote unquote, moving into her house that is fully furnished and done at night. Like the reveal that the first time that Chloe is evidently seeing her house, and I don't know if it was for the benefit of the cameras, is usually when you move into a house, it's like your stuff is being moved in. It was fully done. It was done and everything was put on a psychotic amount of open shelves. Literally <laughs> everything. I'm like, we all know the big one's coming. What the fuck is this about? Do you think Chris's China room is going to survive that shit? I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, certainly what's not going to survive is Chloe's gigantic pantry room. Okay, which that's another thing I don't understand because it's open shelves. You see like she has like a lazy Susan of like salad dressings, but it's all like Hidden Valley and like wishbone and shit. It's not like she's like going to Erewhon and getting like nice looking products. Right. As a flex, it's like everything like looks like is like maple syrup and like looks like garbage. Well, my other issue is like Prego, like... (laughs) Right. No shade to our listeners that use Prego, Prego, but like if you could afford that like expensive peeled tomatoes with like the cute illustrated can, don't you just do that? I mean, as you as you know, Chelsea, like I take great pains of like organizing my fridge and organizing my pantry. But the one issue I have, I mean, I have many issues with the like home editization of pantries is in order to make that aesthetically pleasing, you need like 72 cans of chickpeas. (laughs) You've got to be making like (laughs) gallons and gallons of Allison Roman chickpea stew. But then that becomes a slippery slope because as soon as you use one or two or three, you have to replenish them. But that's the other thing is you can't keep just putting the newest cans of stuff on top. That goes for her fucking cookie jars. Okay, one of two things about these gigantic (laughs) cookie jars because I've thought about this so much. She either has dummy ones at the bottom and she just replenishes like the first two feet or in order to keep everything fresh... She has to then have someone take all of the cookies out to the bottom and put the newest ones at the bottom. Does anyone have any tea about this? Like, has anyone ever eaten one of these cookies from Khloe Kardashian's house? The other thing that made me laugh, and I love this family. As you guys know, we apologize for probably way too much of their behavior. But I did laugh out loud when Chris was like, Chloe did everything for this house. She paid for it. She designed everything. She got everything. It's like, Chris, you guys paid for the people to design the house, too. Mm, I believe she designed it herself. (laughs) I believe she designed it herself, for sure. You couldn't pay someone to do that to a house. Right. You know, like you could pay like an interior architect to build like hundreds of open shelves in every room. But like that would be no one's like idea, but your own. I did think of you. What did you think about Chris's office that I do believe those are all her coffee table books that were stacked to the brim from like one wall to another? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I loved that. Yeah. A real great collection for sure. And then the the fake storyline that Kendall and... And Kim were vying for the same cover. I still feel like that was a pretty underwhelming Vogue cover. The only one that she's had that's felt really major was the one with Kanye. 
Oh, I was going to say I thought the wet one. See, I think the wet one's pretty forgettable, especially considering like how much major her Met Gala look was that like that ties in with. Obviously, I think she was hosting that year. If Kim is looking for a a wholesale new look, I do feel like her and Lueve is an interesting combination. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like her because she's not that weird. You know what I mean? That's true. She's just like not a weirdo. And like, I feel like that's clothes for like weirdos. Like us. Yeah. Weirdos that also like carrying like macrame bags and shit. Did you enjoy Anna Wintour FaceTiming into the shoots? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, they're really trying to make something of Kim finding herself. And I think it's a worthwhile storyline. But like some of the ways they're going about it are, are a little bit funny where she's like, this shoot really felt like me. And it's like the looks... Like nothing looks like you. Yeah. The Vogue styling of her specifically was all over the place, right? It was Lueve, it was Azadina Laya. Yeah. And they often do those with cover shoots where they do kind of like a major look from like a handful of like relevant designers. But like, I don't understand why. I don't understand the creative process behind this cover because Kim kardashian created such a specific and influential style like we walk down the streets of la we see clones of her like everywhere we go why wouldn't on her vogue cover you just push that to its extreme or why wouldn't you just be like hey demna we'll we'll give you the american vogue cover like do something fun with kim yeah like it doesn't make sense to like go against her own style right and i feel like she's her vogue covers have never really been her style Well, according to her, she doesn't even know what her style is. So next week, we get the introduction of Pete. Allegedly, not really. He's not going to be in the show. I'm kind of learning the game with these previews. This is going to be... I think she'll tell us. Yeah, but it'll be three minutes at the end. Yeah, and I think it'll be something to the effect of like, you know, we met like out or in Montecito or something. And we like started texting just like friendly stuff and then we did snl and you know then we kind of just like went on a couple dates and sparks flew that's what i'm expecting so we'll see if she subverts my expectations all right well another week done i have to go check on tat see how her nicotine withdrawals are going all right we'll be back next week guys bye bye